podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Friday the 13th. Unlucky for some, especially if you're a Liverpool fan, and also it would appear if you're a Chelsea fan. Chelsea defeated 2-1 last night at Fulham. Willian put Fulham one up on 25 minutes. His low shot deflected past Kepa and into the bottom corner. Kaladu Koulibaly. Koulibaly? Koulibaly. Either way. Um... Equalised on 47 minutes. Mason Mount making a bizarre decision to shoot from a free kick, which he should not have shot from, but it hit the post, bounced back, and while Koulibaly's finish was in no way impressive or comprehensive, 
Bernd Leno was sat behind his goal line when he caught the ball. Goal given, rightly so, 1-1, game on. But 11 minutes later, João Felix making his Chelsea debut, arguably the best player on the pitch to that point, sent off for a fairly reckless lunge into a challenge with Kenny Tete. It wasn't malicious. It wasn't overly dangerous. There wasn't a whole lot of force behind it, but it was absolutely a red card. Off he goes, and on 50, sorry, 73 minutes, Carlos Vinicius heads home the winner for Fulham. And you can't really say they didn't deserve it over the balance of 90 minutes, but for Chelsea to lose to a Fulham team missing Mitrovic is is not great. Uh, Thiago Silva's wife tweeted out after the game, or maybe during the game, if Chelsea had a Thiago Silva in midfield and in attack, uh, how would they be? Well, they'd be in the bottom three because he was crap last night. He was out of position for the first goal and he was dreadful on the second goal. So, you know, he, he'll get excused as always, but there is no excuse. He was awful, like the rest of the Chelsea team. And now the pressure is starting to mount on Graham Potter. That performance, that result, it just piles on to what we've, what we've already had from him. And Chelsea fans are starting to get a little bit antsy. Bowley seems to have absolutely no impulse control. So if a day comes where he makes a decision that he wants to change manager again, he will just do it and not think of the consequences. Chelsea sit 10th. They are behind Brentford. They are six points behind Fulham. Now, they've played a game less than Fulham, but still. They're six points behind Fulham. This is not what Bowley has spent 340 million plus the 40 million to sack Tuchel and hire Potter and his staff plus another 60 million to ensure that Christopher Nkunku arrives in the summer, giving a total of 448, sorry, 440 million spent so far. This is not what he spent that money for. Well, you would hope it's not anyway, because if it is, he might be some sort of sadist. Uh, seven wins, four draws, seven defeats. Scored only 21 goals. Conceded only 21 goals, to be fair, which I think is the fifth best defensive record in the league. But when you play a back five and two sitting midfielders, you should be fairly strong defensively. Only scoring 21 goals is a disaster. And you don't, they don't look like scoring a whole lot of goals. Like, you look at Mason Mount, he might get you 10 to 14 a season. Kai Havertz, maybe 12 to 15. Felix, between now and the end of the season, given he's going to miss three games, if he gets you six or seven, that's probably about the height of it. Aubameyang has had a falling out with Potter. He might not play again. Brogia is out for the season with an injury. It's very hard to see where the goals are going to come from. And, you know, you look at the teams that have scored less than them. Aston Villa. I think I'd back Villa to score more goals across the second half of the season. Crystal Palace. 
probably around similar to Chelsea. They've got, I think, better attacking options. Forest, Chelsea will score more goals than them over the course of the season, but between now and the end of the season, probably similar enough. They'll score more than Bournemouth. West Ham should score more than Chelsea between now and the end of the season. Everton won't score many at all. Wolves, I think, will score more between now and the end of the season, given they've added a couple of players who can, you know, potentially score them some goals, or at least they've added one, and looks like another may arrive. And Southampton have some decent attacking talent. Chelsea just, they don't look like a team that believe they can score more than a goal a game. And unless Potter gets this turned around quickly, like, when Potter was at Brighton, they played lovely football. They just didn't score any goals. And that's a similar situation at Chelsea. Now, they are missing right now Ben Chilwell and Reese James. And when those two come back, it should make a difference. They'll create more chances. But they're going to need Reese James and Chilwell to score quite a few goals themselves. They're probably looking at needing 10 between the two of them between now and the end of the season just to have even a decent goal-scoring record this season. You have to give Fulham credit. Marco Silva, he's the manager of the year so far for me. What an outstanding job. Sixth in the league. Admittedly, they've played a game more than everybody else. But they've won nine games and drawn four. They've got a positive goal difference. Defensively, they've not been great. Only Brentford in the top half have conceded as many goals as them. And there are five teams in the bottom half who have conceded less. But they've scored 32 goals. And that's pretty impressive. They're heavily reliant on Mitrovic, but they showed last night they can win without him. And that kind of win last night over their biggest rival, that's the type of thing that their fans have been craving. And this looks kind of sustainable. Now, sixth is not sustainable. They won't finish sixth. I'd expect they'll finish around 10th to 12th at this point. I do think they'll have a drop-off, but this doesn't look like something that's going to be a flash in the pan. It looks like something they can actually build from. Now, Silva's a strange manager in that he tends to have a good instant impact and then things go a bit awry, but he's 18 months in here. And everything seems to be going very, very well for him. Great win for Fulham, bad loss for Chelsea. And now they need to pick themselves up because they both play again on Sunday. Different opposition, obviously, but they both play again on Sunday. And for Fulham, Sunday is now a free hit because they got three points from these two games. Chelsea have to win on Sunday. And after the break, Guy's going to join me and we'll go through them. Um, Benjamin Mendy has been found not guilty of six counts of rape and one count of sexual assault. 
the jurors could not reach verdicts on the seventh count of rape or the single count of attempted rape following a six-month trial at Chester Crown Court. The the jury retired to consider the verdicts on the 5th of December, so it's been over a month. It's been over a month of deliberation, and they've come back with not guilty on six counts. We'll wait and see what happens. I'll be really interested to see if he's found not, if, if there's a, is there going to be a retrial? Will those charges be dropped? I don't know what happens from here. If they are dropped or whatever happens, is he going to be able to resume his career? I believe he's had a contract this summer. I would, I would be hard pressed to see anybody wanting to buy him or to sign him, all things considered. Yeah, he is at a contract this summer. I, I don't know how anybody signs him given what's happened, but if he's found not guilty, he's found not guilty. Um, what else do we have news wise? Uh, Wolves have been linked to Pablo Sarabia of Paris Saint-Germain, Spanish international. Decent squad player at PSG. He was he was a decent player for Sevilla. Actually, to be fair, he was a good player for Sevilla. He was a decent player for Taffy. He's been a, a fine squad player for PSG. He had a loan at Sporting where he was really good, like really, really good. I'd be interested to see him in the Premier League. He is now 30. so. You know, you're not going to get likely his best years. Those have been wasted at, at Paris Saint-Germain as a squad player. But I'd be interested to see how he'd do in the Premier League. And it it, it seems like a very Lopetegui signing type he might have asked for. But you add him to the mix with Cunha, Guedes, Neto when he returns, Adama, Pedence, Jimenez and... Sasakalazic when he returns all of a sudden that's a fairly formidable attacking group they'll obviously likely lose Adama in the summer he's, he's at a contract but the rest remains the rest is pretty strong uh, Jurgen Klopp among Liverpool sorry among Premier League news conferences just just there to annoy the piss out of me um, Jolington has been charged with drink driving and Eddie Howe says he's unsure of picking him. He shouldn't be picked. Uh, he should be suspended internally for a couple of weeks because of this. Newcastle boss Eddie Howe says Jolington's drink driving charge came as a shock and he is unsure about picking him against Fulham. Uh, he was stopped by police in the early hours of Thursday and is scheduled to appear before magistrates on the 26th of January. I think you have to drop him. I think I don't care how remorseful, how upset he is. He he did what he did, and he should be punished for it. It's as simple as that. Let's do the gossip, and then we'll take a break. Saudi Arabian club Al Halil, rival of Cristiano Ronaldo's new club Al Nazir, are targeting Lionel Messi in a three hundred million dollar per year deal. 
which is significantly more than Cristiano got. Um, it would be very funny if Messi went there for significantly more. I almost double, I think, the money. Arsenal are back in for Dusan Vlahovic. No, they're not. The Gunners have submitted a new bid for Shakhtar Donetsk winger Mikhailo Mudrik. Uh, this is from the spoofer. Others have said that they are looking at, you know, at a, at a fee that they think is going to work somewhere between 75 and 80 million. That is ludicrous. Ludicrous money for a fella who a year ago nobody was talking about. He had six good games in the Champions League. Actually, he had five good games in the Champions League and one poor one. And that's what they're basically basing this off. Because you don't pay that type of money for someone based on what they did in the Ukrainian League. It's not like he's lit the Ukrainian League on fire either. And they already have Martinelli in that same role on the left wing. So is he a squad player? Or is Martinelli a squad player? Oh, well, Martinelli could move into the middle. Well, what happens when Gabriel Jesus comes back, given your whole team functions primarily around him? It, it, it doesn't make sense. Chelsea are considering a bid for Moises Caicedo following the frustrations and trying to sign Enzo Fernandez. Uh, Tottenham are interested in signing Leandro Trossard. Be a decent squad player for them. Clubs in Spain, France, Germany and Italy are monitoring the situation of João Canseo after he lost his regular place in the Manchester City team. Uh, Wolves apparently have had a bit accepted for Pablo Sarabia. Southampton could move for Luton Town's English right-back James Bree as they look to find, sign a full-back this, summer, this, this month. I'm not sure why they would look to sign a full-back. That seems a little odd to me. They've got Walker Peters and Livermento at right back. They've got Perot and Larius at left back. I wouldn't have said a full back was something they need. Uh, James Bree's a decent player. And obviously Nathan Jones knows him from the time together at Luton. Um, he's a former Aston Villa player. He came through Barnsley's academy. He's a, he's a decent player. Um, but I, I, I don't really see the logic in why Southampton would do that. Leeds United's deal for French Ford Jorginho Ruter will be around 35 million a club record fee. Nottingham Forest are closing in on the 16 million pound signing of 21 year old Brazilian midfielder Daniel from Palmeiras. That's a bargain. He's an outstanding young player. Everton are looking to sign two forwards this month. It's football insider Wayne Vesey's a clown. Manchester United and Sweden winger Anthony Alanga is one of the players Everton are targeting and want the 20-year-old on an initial loan deal. I mean, they already have pacey wingers with no end product. It would be a strange one. Besiktas are interested in Raul Jimenez as a replacement for Wout Weghorst. I'd be a little bit surprised if Wolves let Jimenez go in, in this month, maybe in the summer. Brentford have made an offer to Antalya Sport to sign United States Ford Hadji Wright. That's that's one that makes sense to me. 
I've said all along, they very much do need an alternative to Ivan Tony and potentially someone to replace Tony or cover for Tony when he gets suspended or whatever. Uh, this one, this one makes sense. This is the right type of player. And he's a decent player and he's having a good season with Antalya Sport. It was decent for them last year too. Bournemouth are confident in re-signing Arnaud Danjuma. So Danjuma has been linked to three different Premier League clubs now. Forest, Everton and Bournemouth, all of whom are relegation contenders. This time last year, in the January window, he was being linked to Champions League contending sides. I'm not really sure what's gone on or why Bournemouth are confident of re-signing him because he's far too good to play for a team scrapping against relegation. I don't necessarily know if he's a Champions League calibre player. He looked okay for Villarreal in the Champions League, to give him his credit. Six goals in 11 games. I do feel like he might be more, you know, a, a really good Europa League level player. So a team that finishes between 6th and 10th. Certainly too good for any of these sides at the foot of the table. Germany striker Yusofa Makoko has been linked with Newcastle, but the 18-year-old is now set to sign a new contract with Borussia Dortmund after a breakthrough negotiations. I hope that's true. I do hope that's true. I'd like to see him stay there. I think him and Adiemi is a really fun long-term partnership that they could build. And obviously they've got Sebastian Haller now healthy again. So that's three really good forward options but two of whom are really exciting young players who, for I think the sky's the limit for both of them. Could they make it work as a three? Maybe. Maybe in a 3-4-3. Not in a 4-3-3, but maybe in a 3-4-3. And that's the gossip. We'll take a break. When we come back, Mr. Drinkle will join us, and we'll go through this weekend's games. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So I am joined, as always, on a Friday by Mr. Drinkle. How are you, sir? I am surrounded by a potentially snoring dog and train lines, Dave, so I can apologise now if there's any noise on my end. That's fine. The sound of the snow will likely dampen it all out up there in Iceland, so should be okay. Should be okay. Molly's across the room, and she might start snoring as well. Uh, so, you know. It's I more entertaining I than Liverpool talk. Yes, yes it is, yes it is. So, uh, what have we got this weekend? We have Friday again to kick us off. Um, I was going to say get your FPL, so I don't think that started yesterday. Um, so, we're screwed. Um, but today, starting at 8 o'clock tonight, we have Aston Villa against Leeds. Um, Villa looks like they've got a few injuries by the looks of it. Obviously got a new signing that might 
uh, jump in the team as well, and Leeds obviously have at least 25 injuries at a time. But this should be a fun game. We, we know Unai Emery's speciality is home for. Yeah, Unai Emery tends to do fairly well at home, though. He did get that big, big win on the road over Spurs just to rub it in Carl Matchett's face. Uh, this is 11th versus 14th in the league. Leeds aren't in particularly good form. Only one win in four, in five, no wins in the last four. Villa's form has been better since Emery took over. They've won three of their last five. Only one defeat in that time. That was to Liverpool in a game in which they could quite easily have gotten a draw. They had the opportunities and the chances in the game to score a couple more goals. Uh, like you said, Villa have some injuries. The, uh, Diego Carlos still out. Then Donker is suspended. Matty Cash and Alex Moreno, the new signing, they'll have late fitness tests, but with a bit of luck, Moreno can make his, his debut, even if it's just off the bench. Uh, John McGinn, Ludwig Augustinson, and Jed Steer all, all out injured. Uh, for Leeds, actually for Leeds, this is probably the best injury situation they've had in 18 months. Somerville is out for about a month. Sinister will be back in a couple of weeks. Four shows a doubt. Gray is out and Dallas is out. But having only five injuries is considerably less than what we've seen from Leeds in, in many other weeks where they had nine, ten, I think 14 at one point. Uh, around that time, they had to play City with kind of 16-year-olds on the bench. So getting healthier at Leeds, and if they get Somerville and Sinistera back relatively quickly, um, I, th- I think they're going to be in good nick. This should be a good game. I love a Friday night game. I think it, it does get the weekend started ni- nicely. Obviously, as you said, Emery at home is is pretty good. That's the, the track record. So we'll go for an Aston Villa win. We'll go 2-1. Yeah, well, it could be an intriguing game. Could be dreadful. I think it's one of them. Um, but moving on to the Saturday, and this is where... The, it's, it's quite a fun weekend. I think we mentioned that before we started recording. Um, we have the Manchester Derby, Man United against Man City. Now, what I asked to do with this, because I did his pod this week, if Man United get a result, is it as big as... Is this, the least it's been a stealing of a result because the gap is somewhat closing and obviously Man City um, as you mentioned in yesterday's pod due to the Southampton game they're a bit all over the place at the mm. minute the defence is a bit of a mess Haaland's obviously doing excellent Kevin De Bruyne's doing excellent but the team's not clicking as once was is this the closest the gap's been um, and if obviously it's not Eric Ten Hag ball yet but we saw Oli Ball get results against Man City in the past, and mm. the fragile nature of Man City, I think it'd be the least of a surprise. That's probably a better way of wording it. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think the gap has closed. United have gotten a bit better. City have gotten quite a bit worse. This is probably the closest they've been since... I know United... Fergie? <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say, because like, they're not that close. Um, I would say it's the closest they've been since the season Mourinho finished second. Now, I know they finished like 18 points behind, but City were freakishly mm-hmm. good that year. United were pretty good that year. The year United finished second under Ollie was fool's gold because 
Liverpool had everybody injured and United still weren't very good. You'd remember United played, rested a bunch of players, I think against Villa, then played a full strength team against Liverpool and got walloped at home despite Liverpool playing Nat Phillips and Reese Williams. So I think this is the closest they've been since 1718. But I think it's more down to how poor City have been than anything else. City have no Diaz and John Stones is a doubt, but everybody else is available. And Ilkay Gundogan yesterday called out his teammates and accused him of being soft. I'm hoping we see a reaction and we get more what we expect from City. We saw Cancelo get linked with a move away as well, which is... Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if there is a bit of a retooling at City this summer um, to build the team more to get, you know, more out of Erling Haaland. I think the biggest thing for Pep is he needs to just drop Jack Grealish. They're a significantly better team without Grealish, and their front six should pick itself. Rodri as the six, KDB and Gundogan as the eights, Bernardo off the right, he can drop back into midfield and help out there and give them overloads. Haaland through the middle and Phil Foden off the left. The only alteration you make to that, I think, is you can play Julian Alvarez on the right instead of Bernardo. or you And you could play Bernardo in midfield, though I do think it's always better when it's Bernardo or KDB plus Rodri and Gundogan. Yeah. Defensively, they need to sort their act like sort themselves out. It, it has not been. It has not been good. Rico Lewis has been the standout, hasn't he? Rico Lewis has been the standout player. I I would expect that he loses his spot though to Kyle Walker. They do need to get Canseo back in the team because this Nathan Aki at left back nonsense needs to stop. Um, I was going to say at left back because at right back he's very ordinary. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Very much so. What makes him special as a as a left back is that he's right footed. That's basically it. Like he's a good player, but he's not a great player. Um, Kinsale. He's never been a great player. He needs to come back in at left back, get Walker or Lewis at right back, but make them if it's Lewis, he needs to defend a bit more rather than playing in midfield. That's Kinsale's role. Leave it to Kinsale to step into midfield and give them that extra man. Um I, I can see why, you know, when he plays Lewis at right back, it makes more sense to play Aki because you get the balance of having an attacking one and a defensive one, which is what Pep likes. But Walker is still a better defender than than Nathan Aki is as a, as a fullback, and Canseo is a better player than Rico Lewis. The big question mark is who plays next to Laporte, because Laporte should be starting. He's the best centre-back. If Stones is fit, I assume it's him. If not, probably a Kanji. Um, United, no Sancho. No Donny van de Beek. Unlikely to have Diogo Delo, which is a, a big loss to them because he's been really good this season. Uh, Mason Greenwood remains suspending, uh, suspended as he's under investigation, obviously. And Axel Tunzebi is injured and wouldn't be playing anyway. City hammered United earlier in the season, 6-3. And it was only 6-3 because City took the foot off the gas, but Haaland ran riot got a hat-trick. Foden got a hat-trick. I don't see how United stop Erling Haaland. 
I just don't see how they manage it. Physically, they don't have a centre-back who can stand up to him. Like, Maguire would be the strongest of their centre-backs, but he's so slow that Haaland would tear him apart. Varane is... He'd lose Haaland somehow. Oh, he would, of course. (laughs) He'd be wandering off over to right-back or something and do something stupid. Like, Varane is the quickest of their centre-backs, but he's not the strongest of their centre-backs. He's also not the most aggressive. Lindelof is aggressive, but lacks the, the aerial ability. Martinez is overly aggressive and obviously is five foot nine or five foot eight or whatever he is. I think Haaland is the difference maker here. Now, at the other end, Rashford's in great form. So I do think it comes down to Rashford versus Haaland. And if United's counterattacks can be as on point as they have been in recent weeks, maybe United can sneak the win here. But I'm going to back City to win this game 3-1. Yeah, I think it's guaranteed goals either way. The yeah. defences can be got. Um, and Luke Shaw's been playing centre-back a bit, so that wouldn't be fun. Um, yeah, God, do we have to move on to this next game, Dave? I don't want yes, to. Yes, we do. Uh, Brighton against Liverpool. Right, let's do this quickly then. Uh, Liverpool, no Diaz, no Van Dijk, no Artur, no Jota. Milner's unlikely to play, though he is back in training. Uh, Firmino's out. Basisic is back in training, but uh, he, so he should be on the bench. And Darwin Nunes is unlikely to play. Uh, so Liverpool are in are in big trouble. How uh, dare you skip over <laughs> uh, Yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, for Brighton, no, no motor. He's back. The end of next month is the hope. And Leandro Trossard is a doubt, but should be okay to make the bench. Um, I, I don't want to spend any time in this game. I'm sick to my back teeth talking to Liverpool. I am going to say that Brighton win this game 2-1. I said 3-1 on Tab's podcast, so yeah. Um, I think that's probably the first time all of us have predicted the Liverpool loss on a weekend. Sums up where Liverpool is. Um, moving on. Is this the most drab fixture in the Premier League at the minute, Everton against Southampton? It is, but it might be the most important game of the weekend. Southampton yes. are bottom. Everton are 18th. Now, Saints, with a win, might still end up bottom. Everton, with a win, could go to 13th in the league if results go their way. We could end up in a situation where Saints win, but Wolves also win, and Everton and Southampton at the bottom too. Um, going into the game, Everton have some injury problems. No Patterson, no Garner, no Keane, no Awobi, which is massive because he's been so important to them, mm-hmm. and no Andros Townsend. Southampton... Uh, no Bella Kotchup, that's a big one. He's so good. Um, Carlos Alcaraz could make his debut. You'd imagine he'll just be off the bench, but he's a really talented player and I'm looking forward to seeing him. No Larius, no Walcott, Livermento's not back yet, and Alex McCarthy's still working his way back from an ankle sprain. I think this will be a fun game. I wonder, Southampton got a massive win during the week. Now, I know it's the Cup. If you can beat City 
and you can limit them to zero shots on target over 90 minutes. And I know they started a weakened team, but they did bring on De Bruyne. They did bring on Haaland. They did bring on Phil Foden. I'm going to back the Southampton win here. Now, their league form is obviously dreadful. They've lost five in a row. Everton have lost four of five and taken one point. But I think I'm going to back Southampton to get the win here. Everton are going to play a really deep block, a back five, three in midfield. I think Southampton will take advantage of them. I think if they get an early goal, it, it could really play to their advantage, but it wouldn't surprise me at the same time if it's just a horrid nil-nil. Same, or if Everton scrape out a one-nil. Yeah. Anything anything could really happen in this one. It could be, if, if, if Everton are going to win, this needs to be a horrible game. If this is a good game of football, I think Southampton are, are a better footballing team. Yeah. I'll go 1 0 Southampton. Yeah. Could you imagine? I'll go 2 1 Southampton, actually. I'll go 2 1 Southampton. You realise Southampton don't defend. <laughs> um, yeah, if, if, if Southampton win, it's going to be so toxic. Right. Yes, it is. Yeah. Go it is. Um, yeah, that will be for Monday's pod, if so. Moving on then to Nottingham Forest against Leicester. I assume this is a derby. I have no idea what name of the derby it would be. Um, but Forest obviously, well, got battered in the FA Cup, which wasn't great, but through to the semi-final midweek in the, in the League Cup. Leicester went out in that competition and, as we mentioned, every Friday have been pretty stanky since they've come back to football. Um, I think this is a really good opportunity for Forrest. So do I. If you think back a few months ago, Leicester started the season and they were appalling and they were bottom or second from bottom of the league. And then they played Forrest and hammered them. And Forrest yes. were awful at the time. But Leicester have lost three in a row. Forest have only lost one of their last five. They've taken eight points from the last 15 available, which is basically half of their points tally thus far. They've taken 17. They've gotten eight from the five games. So they're in decent form. Oh, God, their injuries are horrid clusters. And that's the thing. We've also got a whole bunch of injuries to take into account here. No James Justin. No Bubakari Samari. No Johnny Evans, no Ricardo Pereira, no James Madison. Jewsbury Hall's a major doubt. Dennis Pryette's a doubt. Aosi Perez is a doubt. And Ryan Bertrand, I just think he's a hologram at this point. Uh, Forrester missing a bunch of players as well, though. No Lingard, no Niakata, a 1E fitness test, Nico Williams fitness test. He'd be a sub anyway. Uh, Bianconi's out for the season. Omar Richards is still out. Coyate's out. And... He's likely out till like April. Um, and Willie Bolly is out. Oh, that's a bit of a miss. And that's a blow because he's been playing well, but they do have McKenna to come in. Or Steve Cook. Team. <laughs> do think Leicester will win this game? I'm going to go for the Leicester win. No, sorry. I'm going to go for the Forest win. If he leaves Steve Cook out, I'll go Forest to win. 2 0. If Steve Cook plays, do I think Leicester win? Because I think he's that bad. Hmm. Remember when Nia Cato was like a week away? <laughs> then the same injury just kept happening. 
When, when he got hurt, they said he was going to be back in October. And now yeah. they're saying maybe the end of this month. Connection Gremlins, but we'll move on to the next game. Uh, we have Wolves against West Ham again, Dave, almost similarly to the Everton-Southampton game. It's a huge one this weekend. Obviously, mm. Wolves um, making a good few signings, spending that Matthias Nunes money. Um, and West Ham, we mention it every podcast. You mention it every podcast. I mention it every Friday. The pressure on Moyes will soon become too much, surely. Um, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think it, so. Like, this is a huge game. It's massive. And if if Wolves win, and let's say Everton take a point, West Ham are 19th. 19th with that squad. Oh, that is completely unacceptable. They haven't won any of their last five. They've lost 11 games this season, which is just dreadful. There's no excuse for West Ham being this bad. They come into this game with... Close enough to a full-strength squad, but they're still missing Cornet. Uh, Soufal, they think, is back. Zuma's, it's probably a little bit too soon for Zuma, but they're hoping he could be available. But Agard is back, which is massive and should help. For Wolves, uh, no Chiquinho, he's done until April. Neto's still six weeks away. Kalasic is probably out until the end of the season. Uh, Bubakar Traore, who'd been playing quite well, he's out for a while as well, a couple of months. But Matthias Cunha is looking pretty good. Despite losing on penalties, they actually played quite well against Forrest in the week, and Dean Henderson made a couple of big saves. So I'm actually quite confident in Wolves going into this game. Lopetegui needs to start getting, you know, results at home. That's where they need to build their survival off. Only three wins this season, but I do think they make it four this weekend. I'll go for the Wolves win. I could see this being a fairly turgid game. I'll Absolutely. Go Absolutely. Um, I mean, I suppose the, connect, the question after that then, do you think that'd be it for Moyes? West Ham's game after this is Everton at home. Uh, so... That's going to be obviously a huge game. The issue is, after that, they go, they play the cup, they play Derby. Then it's Newcastle away, Chelsea home, Spurs away, Forest home, Brighton away, Villa home, City away. So you're playing three of the top five and Chelsea, who, I mean, I know they've been awful, but they're still, it's still a very tough game in your next seven games after these two. These are the two you needed to target to win. I fancy them to beat Everton. I don't think they beat Wolves. I think Newcastle beat them. I think Chelsea at least get a draw. I think Spurs beat them. I I don't see that Moyes can last much longer unless unless they win both of these games and go into that Newcastle game full of confidence and get something and can start to build. I don't think he sees past that Newcastle game. I think that could be it. But I mean, if they lose this one and lose to Everton, I think they've, they've got to, they've got to make a decision to go in a different direction and give a new manager at least a week to eyeball the squad and say, right, I need something in this area. 
you know, giving your manager a chance mm-hmm. to bring in at least one player. It, I hate when, man, when clubs change managers just after a transfer window's closed, when the issue existed at the beginning of the transfer window. And obviously West Ham's issues have existed since September. Um, I'll go the Wolves win and I think it does pile the pressure on Moyes. That game next weekend, West Ham Everton with Moyes and Frank potentially both facing the sack could be very, very interesting. Take a nil-nil draw and then swap jobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moving on to the next game, and this is the late kickoff on TV, question mark, is Brentford uh, Bournemouth, Dave. Don't know why it's on TV, but it feels like this should be pretty straightforward for Brentford, but we have seen with Brentford in the past that some, their form can go off like a tap, but against this Bournemouth team? Eh. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're such a strange team. They they beat the good teams, then they do kind of... Maybe they take certain teams a bit too lightly or something. Um, Brentford... No Pontus Janssen, no Shandon Baptiste, Onyek is a doubt, Hickey's a doubt, but it looks like Ivan Tony will be back, which is massive for them. Um, Bournemouth, no t- uh, Tavernier, which is a huge blow because he's been playing quite well, or had been playing quite well before he got hurt. David Brooks is still out. Ryan Fredericks is still out. Junior Stanislas is still out. Adam Smith is suspended. Neto is still out. Uh, but Jefferson Lerma should be back. Bournemouth looked to me like a team sailing towards the bottom of the league. Uh, one win in five, but three straight defeats. Brentford unbeaten in five, three wins in that five. I, I have to back Brentford for the win. I, I, I just can't. I can't pick Bournemouth to win this game. I'm going to say Brentford to win 3-1. Yeah, smart money on that, I think. Uh, moving on all over to Sunday, then. We kick off um, at 2 o'clock. This is the untelevised one. We have Chelsea against Palace. Um, Chelsea, just horrid mess. But Crystal Palace is a weird club at the minute. It feels like... Uh, how did today word it? I think he said the honeymoon period feels like it's over for Vieira. And I'd probably agree. I think they're fine. There's no chance of relegation or anything, but it may have just gone stale a smidge. It does seem like it's gotten a bit stale. It does seem like it's gotten a bit stale, and they've had some really bad results. Look, their, their season began in completely the wrong way when they had that yeah. ridiculous pre-season where half their squad couldn't travel to Asia and rather than just calling off the tour and training at home in one group, they went to Asia anyway. <laughs> Whoever made that decision and caused that pathetic of a preseason should probably be the one getting asked serious questions right now. The plus side for Palace is that Mitchell is back, so it's only MacArthur and, uh, and Nathan Ferguson who are out. Whereas for Chelsea, they have 11 players injured or suspended. So you've got N'Golo Kante out, Raheem Sterling out, 
Joe Felix suspended. Reese James is out. Fafana's out. Chilwell's out. Brohia's out. Loftus Cheek is out. Pulisic is out. Mendy is out. And Zakaria is out. Like that's a that's a full team. That's a full Felix team. Felix suspended as well. That's awful. They're in trouble. They're in trouble with that many players being out. But Palace's form is so hit and miss. Three defeats in the last five, which is the same as Chelsea. They've actually, to be fair, we say their form's hit and miss. They've taken six points in the last five games. Chelsea have taken four. <laughs> um, Chelsea are at home. I'm just going to pick the home win. I have no confidence in them, though. And I will point out that when they played at Selhurst, Palace were the better team. And it was a very poor refereeing decision that gave Chelsea a lifeline in that game. But I'm going to pick for I'm going to pick Chelsea to win one nil. Could be anything. Could, Could be anything. Uh, moving on to the televised game. No, this should be fun. Newcastle against Fulham. Um, you mentioned Marco Silva probably being manager of the season so far. I think Eddie Howe would be uh, probably holding hands with him in terms of that award as well at the minute. But Newcastle. Obviously got the job done in midweek, but very disappointing in the FA Cup last weekend. Uh, the Jolinton situation you mentioned in the news segment, that's a big blow. But we have seen teams in the past ignore stuff like this. I remember Firmino got done for drink driving at Liverpool, didn't he? And we just yeah, kind of blew it and off. Liverpool played him, which yeah, is just really not poor. Great. Yeah, so God knows if he plays, but he's a big miss, if so. But this should be a fun game. I'm not sure if Mitrovic being back is obviously the big question, but it didn't matter against Chelsea, but Newcastle can actually defend. So, probably yeah. yeah. I mean, Toon... Toon have drawn their last two games in the league. Once with Arsenal, which is a good draw, but one with Leeds, which was a bad draw, and that was at home. Now, Fulham have Mitrovic back, which is obviously a huge boost for them. Uh, no Cabano, no Robinson who's suspended. That's a blow, but they do have Kurzawa to step in. Uh, Shane Duffy's unwell, but they reckon he might be okay. So they'll be close enough to full strength. Newcastle, no Shelby, no Target, no Kraft. None of them are in their best 11. So depending on Jolington, Newcastle should be at full strength. It's a free hit for Fulham. Because they'll have looked at these two games, Chelsea and Newcastle, and probably thought, if we can get two points from those two games, as a minimum, that's happy out. That's that's what we need to get where we want to go this season. And they got to win against Chelsea. They'll go to this game confident. Mitrovic will want to put in a big performance because, obviously, Newcastle binned him off. I yeah. think he'll be motivated to put on a big performance. I'm looking forward to seeing him against Botman because Botman for me is in the team of the season thus far. You're completely right. Eddie Howe is number two in manager of the year so far. I think it's for me, it would be Silva, Howe and then Arteta. I think that's probably the yeah, fairest way. I'd agree with that. Um, And actually, that's something I'm going to do during the week because we're we're at the halfway point of the season now. 
I know some teams only played 17 games, but that's because the Queen passed away. Um, so games were rescheduled, but we are at the halfway point of the season. So I think during the week, I'll probably do my half season manager of the year, team of the year, et cetera. So I've, I've spoiled my manager of the year pick. It, it is Marco Silva. Now, look, if Eddie Howe and Newcastle walloped them this weekend, that could sway it. But, um, I'm going to go for the Newcastle win. I'll go 2-1 to the tune. I think it's going to be a difficult game for both sides. I think they're both decent teams. Newcastle's press is very impressive right now. I do worry that they might run out of steam because they're they're playing a very high-intensity style of football. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of big sprints being done. I don't think they can sustain that over the season, which is why I don't think they'll get top four. But I think they win this game. I'll go 2-1 to Newcastle. Joe Pellini v. Bruno Gimmerich. Probably two that's, of the best midfielders in the league so far. Yeah, this that's going to be fun. That midfield battle will be fun. And like I said, you get Botman versus um, Mitrovic. Mitrovic, which I think is going to be a lot of fun as well. Newcastle let some bloody strikers go, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. Tony Mitrovic. Ivan Tony and Mitrovic and Armstrong. I know he's not playing particularly well for Southampton, but he was there as well. Mm. Um, and they let him go. So, you know. Probably some more as well. Uh, moving on to the last game, and probably my favourite non well, no Liverpool fixtures, my favourite this season, uh, but my non Liverpool favourite fixture is the North London Derby. I think yeah. it's the most fun. One in, in the country, um, probably best in the UK outside of the old firm, I'd say as well. Um, Spurs against Arsenal. I mean, Spurs got embarrassed in the reverse fixture, if I remember correctly. Um, Arsenal obviously does need to keep chugging along, keeping a gap between them and City, whereas Spurs bounced back a bit in recent weeks, but it still seems like a club very much on edge, but a win in the North London derby can alleviate any pressure or boredom or whatever. Massively, massively. And and if results go their way, like if Fulham were to beat Newcastle, which seems unlikely but is possible, and City beat United, Spurs could go to third in the league with a win here. So, you know, they are still very much in that top four mix. I know they've had some questionable form of late, but they are still very much in that mix. I think when you look at Arsenal, they've started to look almost a little bit like they're starting to run out of of a bit of steam. They didn't look good against Newcastle. They played pretty well against Brighton, but were, were very fortunate. All four goals had big elements of luck. And obviously that Matoma one got... The, the second, what would have been the second Matoma goal, I think, got ruled out. It might not have yes. been Matoma. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, I wasn't hugely impressed by their performance against West Ham either. They were good for like 20 minutes and it was all they needed. They were much better than Spurs the day they played at the Emirates. And Spurs fans might point to the sending off, but Spurs had been dreadful in that game to that point. Arsenal will be re- will be hoping for a repeat of that game. Spurs fans are hoping for a repeat of when these sides met last season at the Tottenham Stadium. Um, Arsenal have no Gabriel Jesus and no Reese Nelson. 
Spurs have no Lucas Mora, but they're hopeful that they're going to have all of the following fit again. Richarlison, Kulisevsky, Basuma, and Bentoncourt. They've been targeting all of them to return for this one. And having all of them back will make a massive difference because now Kulisevsky goes back into the team. Richarlison's an option off the bench. Brian Hill has shown he can play. So he's now a real option off the bench. They've got five options in attack. Basuma and Bentoncourt into that mid midfield mix again obviously is quite strong. So at home, I'm going to back Conte to do the business. I'm going to say 2-1 to Tottenham, but they need to be right on their game because if they're not, Arsenal will punish them. I think Arsenal will have more of the ball. I think there'll be moments early in the game where Arsenal look like they might hammer Spurs. It wouldn't even surprise me if Arsenal went one up. But I do think Spurs will win the game. I'll go 2-1 to Tottenham. Yeah, you don't know with derbies, though. Especially no. And I love the North London. Like, yeah. you're right. I love the North London derby. I think it's just the most... I don't know. It's the most stylish or glamorous or something. It's because it's London. And they're two great clubs. And, you know, they're, you look at the, the Manchester Derby, obviously, they're two clubs that are right up there over the last 10 years. The Merseyside Derby, Everton have been garbage for a long time. There's no The game is always dreadful. The game is always horrible. It's always horrible. This one, they're both pretty good. And they have been pretty good on and off, basically, for the last 12, 14 years. So, yeah, I, I think I think this is my favourite one as well. Two great stadiums, so it's always in a, you know, the Merseyside Derby, they played one of them at Goodison, which is a horrible stadium. Made out of wood. It's made out of wood. <laughs> wood and galvanised. Like, no, I'm not having that. And the Manchester Derby, I don't know, there's just something... We've we've yet to see United and City be on an even footing post Ferguson. It seemed to peak in that Rooney overhead kick game, didn't it? And City were only really getting started. Yeah. At that point. Like if you look at the last two years of Ferguson at United, City win the league and then United win the league, and the other team finishes second. That's the only time they've been kind of neck and neck. Since then, the City have been miles better than United basically every season. Even that season I mentioned where Mourinho finished second, City got 100 points and finished 18 points clear. This season, they're, they're close enough, but it's more because City have fallen back than anything else. So I do, I think it's, I think, I think Spurs Arsenal's the best, the best of the derbies now anyway. And, and for the last, Nine, ten years, I think it's been the best of the derbies. So I'm looking forward to that. I think it's the perfect game for a Sunday. I like that we've got a decent, um, a decent Friday night game. We've got a big derby to start Saturday. We've got a couple of really important games on the 3 p.m. Wolves, West Ham, Everton, Southampton. We've got a Midlands derby with Forest and, this was North Midlands, Forest and Leicester. Um, the Brighton Liverpool is, is whatever. Chelsea Palace is a London derby. 
and it's an important game because both of them are in mixed form. Newcastle-Fulham is a fun game because both of them are hugely overperforming against expectation. The Mitrovic derby. There's also the Mitrovic (laughs) factor. And then this, I think this might be the best on paper, not saying it'll play out this way, but on paper, this might be the best round of fixtures we've had all season. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this weekend plays out. The only game I don't want to watch is the one I'm contractually obliged to watch is Brighton Liverpool. <laughs> Every other game I'm actually looking forward to see. talk about for an hour after. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Eddie Gibbs is a lot to answer for. <laughs> right. <laughs> That'll do us for today. We'll be back on Monday. Um, yeah, we'll be back on Monday. So take care of yourselves. Have a pleasant weekend. Uh, I, what, what? Let me see. See, the worst part about the Liverpool game is as well, Celtic are playing in the League Cup semi-final at 5.30 on Saturday, and I'm going to miss the first 45 minutes. I'm going to miss the first half because we'll be talking about a game where Liverpool have most likely shot themselves. So it's just not, it's just not good for me. It's not, a good, it's not a good way for my Saturday to go. No, you need you need to wheel in a TV into your office, have it on in the back. I have one, but, but if I have that, if I have that on, I'm not going to be able to ah, you would, get you my rage been, out. You would have been shouting for the first twenty minutes of the podcast anyway. Yeah, but I'm not going to be able to get my rage out properly if I'm watching Celtic beat Kilmarnock six nil. I'm going to be happy about that, and my my rage about Liverpool losing three one or two one or whatever score it ends up being won't come out the way I want it to come out. So. It's just not setting my weekend up to be be all that good. But anyway, have a good weekend. Thank you as always, and we will see you Monday. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.